Welcome to No Concessions, your favorite movie podcast where we discuss subgenres of movies. This week, instead of doing a subgenre, we're doing taste clusters. <laughs> As uh, Charlie once told us, taste clusters are what Netflix uses to group movies together that you might like. Uh, this week's taste cluster is, huh, very deep contrast between these movies. <laughs> uh, this week, we're reviewing 1992's. Dead Alive and 1987's Army of Darkness? I don't know what year that came out. But first, 93. 93. 1993's Army of Darkness. Evil Dead 2 was 87. Yeah, around there. Okay. All right, cool. There were like three movies that Sam Raimi did in between Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness. Okay. Apparently they delayed Army of Darkness for a year, and Bruce Campbell said, I wasted a year of my life waiting for this to come out in theaters. (laughs) Okay. It's not like he couldn't get a cut of it himself, right? Yeah. After that, we've got our titular segment, No Concessions, where we make a case for our favorite or least favorite movies. But first, we have the opening segment of what we've been watching lately. Let's start with you, Charlie. Uh, right now, I'm kind of in between TV shows. I'm trying to keep it that way so my free time stays mine and doesn't get sucked off into like the Netflix recommendation algorithm again. However... Um, two TV shows to talk about. The most recent one that I watched to completion was Netflix's 13 Reasons Why. Seasons one and two, pretty good. Seasons three and four, really, really bad. Uh, (laughs) If you haven't heard of it, uh, it takes place at a high school. There's this girl who kills herself and she records 13 podcasts talking about the 13 reasons why she decided to commit suicide. Holy shit. That is a bonkers premise. <laughs> so the, the uh, setup for the first season is that each episode, the main character hears one cassettes worth of this uh, series from this girl, what she recorded. And then season two, spoiler alert, there's kind of a, um, like a courtroom uh, scene or setup in which the girl of the mother of the girl who killed herself is suing the high school for saying or not taking care of the the girl. You should have done more to stop her from committing suicide. It's like you're literally her mother, but go off. Yeah. <laughs> e- yeah, yeah each episode queen. is like a, a deposition of each of one of the main characters. Uh, but then seasons three and four, um, kind of go off the rails uh, to the point where um, new events happen and uh, this uh, the way that they try to tie all the events of the show together instead of like cleverly having um, another situation where facts are slowly uncovered it's uh, let's let's introduce a completely new character who coincidentally happens to be in place of like every major event of the season happening, uh, which kind of just screams like lazy writing to me, but seasons one and two really good. It's kind of a dark show way more so than like most other teen high school dramas. So give it a shot. It's on Netflix. Everyone has it. Uh, and then the other one, uh, the expanse, uh, formerly on sci-fi now on Amazon prime video, Uh, The season five trailer just came out a couple days ago. And uh, in between season four ending and season five, I've been using my TV free time to read through the book series. So now I'm on book six. It's great. Book six of nine. 
and the seasons are about one book's worth per season. So I saw a bunch of stuff in the trailer that I recognized for the book. I'm super excited for it. Can't wait for December. Very nice. Very nice. How about you, Charles? There's, there's a movie sequel that didn't need to come back. <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, I've not been watching a whole lot, but I did resume uh, a rewatch of Gargoyles. Uh, the shit holds up. I mean, the first five episodes are the basically the pilots. It's a fucking movie to load it, to like to front load it, and so that feels a little long. But now that I'm a couple episodes past that, I'm like, the show's still good. Like the animation still looks pretty solid. Um, so you can tell that there were like multiple teams of animators because every now and then someone will move a little bit more like rubbery like a little bit more fluid than most of the episodes look or like someone's like facial expressions will be a little off but uh it's pretty so gargoyles famously has an episode where one of them one of the gargoyles like shoots the like their police officer friend and I'm like, yeah, that's like a very special episode that probably came like later in the show's run. It's the fourth, it's the eighth episode of the season of the first season. It's like, all right, here's the first five episodes being like, here are the gargoyles. This is their deal. They get cursed. They wake up in the future. And then there's like three episodes of just them in the present. And then, <laughs> gun episode <laughs> like all right this is they are not fucking around they were like we are treating children like they deserve to be treated and um sometimes a character you like might die she doesn't but oh i mean she's the main character and it's eight episodes in <laughs> yeah this is back before tv shows used killing a main character to keep people like interested in the show yeah she is and like it's not just like over she's in the hospital and then she's even like on crutches for like two episodes afterwards. So like she's active, like they take it seriously. Like she's actively recovering. It's not just like gun stuff happens. Well, now we learned a lesson about guns, kids. And then we're <laughs> on to the next adventure. Um, and then the only other thing I've been watching because I've been fucking exhausted and I've just been playing Hyrule Warriors more because it's just brain dead stuff that I can do while I listen to podcasts is uh, Puppet History on YouTube. Um, Shane and Ryan, the guys from BuzzFeed Unsolved, they quit BuzzFeed and started their own channel. And one of the things they do is puppet history. It's just like a history game show where they just take a different thing and they do a deep dive on it. And it's fun. It is a fun show. Though their last episode was on the at the time of this recording was the Donner Party and a lot of details left out, but it's only a twenty five minute show. There's only so much you can get to. But where do the puppets come into play? Um so Shane has a puppet character called the professor and so he's not actually on screen it's just him doing all the puppeteering and he's like reading the story and asking the questions and then uh ryan and a guest uh have to answer the questions it's fun it's an enjoy each episode is like 18 to 30 minutes long it's enjoyable enough okay but that's all i've been doing i've just been playing the same video game and listening to podcasts about aliens so I'm slowly descending into madness. <laughs> I've been watching Lovecraft Country every week that it comes out for the first time since, I guess, the only other show that I've done it with recently is RuPaul's Drag Race. I've only watched 
that and Lovecraft Country on a weekly basis when it comes out. And that's that's a good show. I like it a lot. The thing that bothers me about the show, though, is that the story doesn't move forward fast enough. Mm. It's a lot of like meandering, a lot of slice of life shit with people because what they have to do is introduce you to all the characters that are each getting like large portions of individual episodes. So in the first three, it's, uh, I think her name's Letty, uh, Atticus and his uncle George. And for the first three episodes, it's them. But in the subsequent episodes, each of one of those characters gets their own like little breakout thing. And then even uh, a character that you're never introduced to gets their own individual episode. And same with um, Uncle George's wife. She gets her own episode. And like it's her, their daughter gets her own episode. It's a lot of different people getting different things. But like the story isn't moving forward fast enough. I feel like a large portion of what draws me towards like Cthulhu mythos and shit is the fact that uh, they're there to solve a mystery. Mm-hmm. But there's not a whole lot of mystery solving going on. I will say that the show is like fun to watch. And it's got like neat horror elements in it. And... I enjoy what I'm seeing. Episode seven was kind of dog shit. If I'm keeping it funky because it's like, it's like in an anime when you have like the hot spring episode where the, (laughs) the story elements are at the very beginning and very end. And the middle has absolutely nothing to do with anything going on in the show. It's that episode. And it's like, like you guys could have just, I understand like the growth of this character is very important, but you, you got to do something better. Yeah. Mix it up. As of Cut it, have stuff going on in between and cut back and forth. Use that as a parallel rather than just, no, we got to tell you a bunch of stuff about them or like give them a handful of moments so that you understand this specific part of their character. Yeah, exactly. That's how I felt with half of Twin Peaks season three. But as I've said already, it's David Lynch. So I did this to myself. <laughs> I can't really complain. You knew what you were getting into. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to David Lynch and his weird YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah, yeah the his weather just, reports those yeah. are great yeah. every single day oh it's uh 81 degrees no clouds here in la beautiful day and just that same type of video every single day i saw one of those videos several years ago and it was him like frying an egg and smoking a cigarette and talking about something i don't even remember what it was it's just like but it's just just head on david lynch with a skillet there's an egg frying and he's smoking a cigarette and just rambling. Hell and then yeah. his egg finishes and then the video's over. That's sick. I'm surprised it didn't end with just like an extreme close up of like his mouth and then just eating the egg like 10 minutes straight of that. <laughs> I recommend Lovecraft Country. A show that I don't recommend, however, is something called Cursed on Netflix. It's uh, an Arthurian. Oh, uh, shit. T- I, I saw that trailer. Dog. That looked it, real bad. It's awful. <laughs> it's awful. I tried, like, I, I try to force myself to watch a lot of shit because, like, uh, at some point I'll put it on in the background. And if it holds my attention long enough for me not to turn it off or for me to, like, actually press next episode when the credits start rolling, then I'll continue to watch it. But otherwise, I'm just kind of like, all right, I need to turn off the TV. This sucks. And this show, I I had my eyes glued to it because, well, to be fair, a friend of mine wanted to watch it. He was just like, fuck it. Let's check it out. We watched the first two episodes. I was just like, this show, 
I can't be this bad. Like this, like I must be missing something here because in all honesty, those first two episodes were awful. And for some reason, I don't know what it is about fantasy genres, but like, why does it always have to be like feudal era shit? Why does it always have to be like some people being subjugated or like uh, coded racism? Oh, we don't like the fake folk. We have to kill all the fake. Like get the fuck out of here. Be, do something fun. Do something original. Or like racism still exists. Like just do racism. What yeah, are you doing? <laughs> dude, like what are you doing? And like why why is Merlin getting hit by lightning and having like his scar be like a sexy sword on the side of his body? And why 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 is his daughter in the show? Why is his daughter the protagonist of the show? Like this doesn't make any sense. Like this and story aside, it's just well, I guess it's the acting is bad. The acting is bad all around. It's not a fun show at all. It's really quite awful. Don't watch it. Actually, do. <laughs> do watch it just to see how bad it is. It's not fun. Anyway, that's that's about all I've been watching. been reading a lot of books. But fuck books. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> this is a movie podcast. Yeah, dude. Uh, when we get back, we'll have our reviews for Dead Alive and Army of Darkness. This week, we're reviewing Dead Alive, directed by Peter Jackson, produced by Jim Booth, screenplay by Stephen Sinclair, Peter Jackson, and Fran Walsh, story by Stephen Sinclair, starring Timothy Blaine, Diana Penalver, Elizabeth Moody, and Ian Watkin, music by Peter Dassent, cinematography by Murray Maline, edited by Jamie Selkirk. And it was released in the United States on the 12th of February, 1993, originally made in New Zealand with a runtime of 104 minutes and a budget of $3 million, and a box office of 240000 American. Uh, but that doesn't include the amount that they made overseas in New Zealand, where the movie was originally released in August of 1992. The second movie we're reviewing is Army of Darkness, directed by Sam Raimi, produced by Robert Tappert. Written by Sam Raimi and Ivan Raimi, starring Bruce Campbell and M. Beth Davids. <laughs> Music by Joseph DeLuca. Cinematography by Bill Pope. Edited by Bob Murawski and ROC Sandstorm. That's an interesting name. <laughs> uh, released in the U.S. on February 19th, 1993. So these movies came out in the U.S. like super close to each other. Running time, 81 minutes. And with a budget of eleven million and return box office of uh twenty one point five million. Okay, so 
I guess we can start with uh, Brain Dead, a.k.a. Dead Alive. Movie's dog shit. Garbage from right, right up top. <laughs> from the beginning. I'm going to be the contrarian and say that I liked it. I'll probably never see it again. <laughs> but I liked it a whole lot. Aside from the uh, numerous stomach-churning scenes. I mean, where do I start? Anywhere you like. Oh, man. The, uh, the scene where the main character and his mom, after she's been infected by Simeon Radicus... Uh, she's yeah, the, she's the clearly ra- rabid and no one at the table is acknowledging it and they're all eating custard and abruptly her ear falls off into her bowl and then she just scoops up the custard with her ear in it and starts chomping down. Oh, that's the point. Not right before that when her wound bursts and shoots uh, pink red goo into the um, WLWL president's husband's custard and he just goes to town. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this movie has a lot of gross out shit in it. Oh yeah. But I guess to explain the story real quick, these two dudes in the mountains of Sumatra, I assume, instead of buying coffee, they <laughs> steal uh, They're rat on monkey. Skull Island, which Peter Jackson in King Kong references. Does he does he reference the Sumatran rat monkey? Yeah. Uh, Apparently, a, on the boat, there's a box that says Simeon Radicus on it. Uh, beware the bite. It even says beware the bite on the box. It's fucking stupid. That's so <laughs> dumb. I th- so these two dudes come out of the mountains with their little box with this fucking rat in it and the rat comes to the US ends up in a zoo bites a woman and then there's like not a zombie outbreak because I mean I guess supernatural zombie outbreak not biological zombie yeah. outbreak they really toe the lines they're like it's a bite so it's like a disease you get but they're all like clearly dead and magic because yeah. you can cut off most of one of their heads and she'll be right. chill. Removing the head or destroying the brain does not kill them this time. Yeah. yeah. They get real creative with how to mutilate these zombies. This is the first movie I've seen where the opening credits credited someone for gore effects. And man, oh man, did <laughs> he get his money's worth on this movie. Absolutely. I there, Not to say that there aren't likable aspects to this movie, because there are. I think that even though I think the movie as a whole is bad. I think the gore effects are pretty good. Some of the practical stuff is really good. Even though the mantra and rat monkey looks like shit. It looks like absolute dog shit. That's the it, worst. It, it looked good up until that scene with like terrible stop motion animation. Oh, it looked yeah. good yeah, up until you see it. <laughs> yeah, you mean the, the single claw that you see come in from off screen? Oh, no. I mean like the look of the movie was good. Oh. And then all of a sudden this terrible special effect just intrudes onto the movie. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't fucking with it from the jump, really. I thought, like, as soon as I saw these dudes running downhill, I was like, oh, it's one of these movies. What, oh, they're bringing something back to the U.S. Oh, no, it's going to be an outbreak, but because this movie's so fucking cheap-looking already, it's not going to impact that many people. <laughs> oh, my goodness, very exciting. Yeah, and then even, like, so it's set in 57 for some reason. But as a because it's made in fucking nineteen ninety one, there's like not a lot of that the stuff that was in Wellington at that time. So they use miniatures for a lot of the uh, wide shots, and like it's cool. Like the, the miniatures look good, but they kind of stand out because they don't look that good. Hmm. You're like, well, why are these miniatures? Like, oh, cause Wellington doesn't have fucking streetcars anymore, and they don't have they they only have so many of these fifties era cars. 
that probably still work that they can like put in a set dressing. It's much easier to do costumes than it is to do like cars and um, infrastructure that's literally been torn out of the ground. So I get it. Yeah. But uh, those never stood out to me because I guess I'm not as observant. So good job. <laughs> Score one for practical effects. <laughs> I mean, like so the acting. Some of the acting is charming. Like Lionel and Paquita are like, they're nice to watch. They're not actively bad at any point, acting wise. Aside from the park scene, um, which I found out today was just tacked onto the end because they finished ahead of schedule and under budget. Yes, so, so, yeah, they which they, never they... happens. So <laughs> Peter Jackson was like, "We're gonna add this scene because in the movie, I remember I was like, so." His mom gets bitten because so Lionel, the main character, he meets this girl at a this random Spanish girl at the local corner market, and her grandmother is like tarot cards, true love, that's the guy, and so they meet and they go on a date to the zoo, and Lionel's mother is super overprotective and bitchy, and they go to the zoo. Lionel's mother follows them, ends up getting bitten by this rat monkey. And it's real bad stop, stop motion when you see it eat another monkey's arm. Although I did like the part where the monkey got too close to like the border with the rat monkey's cage. And then there's a close up of it getting punched in the face. <laughs> <laughs> and so you see like this weird, shitty like stop motion of this rat monkey. And then the next sequence... You see it in, it's like a doll that Vera, Lionel's mom, just stomps the shit out of. Oh, yeah. After it bites her. There's a sudden, just like crush video segment. Yeah, she's just like stomping on it, and you're like seeing like blood shoot out of its face and its eyes bulge out. And onlookers at the zoo are just like watching this woman murder this zoo animal. It goes on far too long. It goes on way too long. Like someone definitely jerked off to that. (laughs) (laughs) And so. They go home. She gets a nurse comes and treats it, get it wrapped up, and then uh, next day, the pus like there's pus bursting out yeah. of it, but like, like overnight. There's no hole yeah. in the fabric where the the bandage is, so it's just like where the pus come from, huh? Right. And she like has like lesions and shit all over her face, and then she's all psyched up about some award that she's getting, and so the president who comes by. That's when the custard scene happens, but she's like clearly. She was supposed to put on makeup at one point in her fucking cheek. <laughs> the skin on her cheek spikes. It that's when it starts, and she's like clearly going rabid, and no one really knows that Lionel knows that something's up, but he's like, gotta be cool. So she deteriorates and then she dies. The nurse comes by and she's like, Your mom's dead, Lionel. <laughs> But, spoilers, she's not dead. She's a fucking zombie now. And she kills the nurse. And the way she does it, and this is where that gore effects person comes in, is she grabs the nurse from behind, but works her fingers under the skin of her cheeks. And uh, kills her. Like, you know. Almost tears her head completely off. And then... um, Oh, yeah, there's multiple gags throughout the movie where the nurse's head will just flop all the way back. Yeah. Like a Pez dispenser head. Because Lionel throws a vase at her and it sticks in her head and like breaks her neck. And then the camera will just switch to like an upside down shot of the room. It happens like two or three times. 
Very subtle. Right. So that keeps like shit keeps happening. He eventually like, you know, they find out that uh, she's like, no, she's just in the hospital, whatever. It's cool. And then he like puts her in the her and the nurse in the basement. Mom get, makes it out, gets hit by a trolley. <laughs> And he's like, well, I guess she's dead. And then they have a funeral for her. But he's been, he goes to this, this random scene. He goes to a vet where there's a German, <laughs> there's a Nazi scientist working and like is selling him tranquilizers that he's using to keep his mom sedate. It doesn't work, but he's like freaking out, trying to keep his mom down. She, they have a funeral. It's hijinks. Mom gets buried. He goes to dig her up for some reason. Yeah, they never explained that. Attacks, gets attacked by some street toughs. Mom zombifies the street toughs. The fucking priest from the funeral comes out. And he's fucking... The, yeah. Kung fu priest. Fourth degree black belt. I priest. kick ass for the Lord is the <laughs> high point of that scene. <laughs> he eventually also becomes a zombie. So, now Lionel's got his mom, the nurse, one of the street toughs, and the priest in his house. And he's like feeding them sedatives. And the priest and the nurse as zombies end up fucking nurse has a zombie baby the same night like later that night <laughs> and that leads us to i had to tell i'd get through that part of the film to get to this park scene where uh, lionel just takes the zombie baby to the park for some reason and uh, it's like just pure slapstick nonsense this but like not even fun like it's actively really bad and peter jackson is so proud of this scene he loves the sequence of the movie, and it's dog shit. It's awful. This is exactly where the movie lost me. Well, it stands out from the rest of the movie in that Lionel's trying to hide the fact that he's got all these zombies in the basement of his house, right. but then he's got the zombie baby in the park, and he's just like punching it in the face in front of everybody else in the rest of the park. Right. So in terms of holding up with the rest of the logic of the movie, it stands out in that way. Yeah. And also just objectively completely stands out. Yeah, it's not only a bad scene to watch it also yeah, like you said he's been doing all this work to keep them hidden but takes the zombie baby out for some reason yeah but uh, and that's only like 40 minutes into the film this is the longest 90 minutes i've ever sat through same keeps you guessing though i had no idea where it was going the whole Me time neither. but i mean to be fair i fast forwarded through a bunch of it <laughs> like i i got as soon as i saw the zombie baby i was like no now we're done Nah, this is it so i you know go ahead a minute at a time see what was going on okay go ahead and this is one of the first movies i've ever we've ever watched for the show where i've fast forwarded through it <laughs> it's like not it's not fun yeah it's there's it's like gross for, for the sake of being gross yeah it, it is pure just like gross out gore and which it's is supposed to be over the top but in some scenes it's not as over the top or not over the top in the right way right like a but, good example of it being over the top in the right way is when that dude gets his dick grabbed from the grave and there's like blood squirting out yeah. from under him but that goes on for too long right and it's like it's funny at first it's like uh and then like you're like 10 seconds in and you're like, like why is blood still shooting out yeah this is weird and then like warrior priest great and then it's like I would love it if the rest of this movie was about this fucking warrior priest and then he gets zombified but there's like the only thing that at that point because we're only halfway through the fucking movie and nothing has happened nothing at all so at the funeral if if you don't like physical comedy then this movie oh, yeah, will do nothing not for, for you. you but yeah I'm a simple man at I, the, uh, I, I'm easily entertained by stuff like this you still laugh at Dane Cook this movie <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, his uncle shows up at the funeral to try to like get some. His mom's brother shows up to try to get some of the money. Um, now that both of Lionel's parents are dead, and he's like real sleazy and like gross. But he ends up being the impetus for the end of the fucking movie. He finds out about the zombies. He's like blackmailing Lionel, and that's when like he he's like, "Look, I won't have to tell anybody if you give me the money in the house." And Lionel's like, "Cool." dope he's like you can have this shit i'm out of here i'm gonna run away with that spanish girl who's now seeing the guy who de- de- delivers meat who can only talk about rugby uh, <laughs> but then they have this huge party zombies break out lionel's like i gotta kill him uh so he uses what he thinks is poison i don't know why it says poison on one side and animal stimulant on the other side it's the stupidest reveal <sighs> and so he like puts this animal stimulant into the zombies and buries them. But because it's an animal stimulant, it's like not for human consumption. It like supercharges them. So they all fucking bust out and they turn everybody at this massive party into zombies. And this is where they like really get their money's worth budget wise. And this is where like it becomes truly very funny to me because it's so over the top and bad. It's like, there's a scene where a dude gets his face ripped off, just his face. And I was like, this is, that was the point for me where I was like, this has mostly just been dumb and gross. But as soon as like shit like that started happening, I was like, okay, (laughs) you've got me for the last, what turns out to be 25 minutes. It was still too fucking long. It's that same shit where it's like, okay, this is funny now. This is like so weird and dumb that it's become funny. And I like, I just checked because it was only available to stream on youtube because someone uploaded it six months ago yep and i like checked to see how much time was left i was like there's still 25 fucking minutes why is this movie so fucking long it's not good yeah it's not and like even i don't think like the gross out stuff is fun um i think it's just gross there's specific things like the dude getting his face ripped off um the lady who gets who got punched through the back of the head she ends up on the light bulb and she's like a dead lamp that's kind of funny to me that was like such a shocking scene where her face is just like right there in the camera she screams and then all of a sudden a fist appears coming it's probably one of the best transitions of this is clearly a dummy (laughs) and to like from a person like it it's a pretty good cut where you see that late you see that lady pull back like in horror and like her hands around her face and then you just it's very quick and she's immediately punched through the face nice. and it is very jarring but they use that later to push her onto a light bulb and then her mouth and eyes are glowing and then there's the uncle gets zombified and his mom pulls his spine out and I'm like alright this is fucking stupid and then you see it later I was like alright that's a cool effect and then those are the three moments that are good for me and the rest of the movie is awful <laughs> Yeah, the fake blood incorporated in New Zealand made its next like decades worth of money <laughs> just from this movie. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Whatever. I think the movie sucks. I don't think it's even redeeming. Don't watch it. Why did he have the fucking cross again? Like that I was mean, in the tarot cards. He yeah. fucking tore out of the thing's stomach with it, but did that kill his mom? No, what killed his mom was falling backwards into the house and the house being on fire. Oh, and then the house blows up, doesn't it? Yeah. And then he like, so Paquita's grandmother, mother, whatever, she's way old, but there's no other woman in that house, um, does the tarot reading and that's how she finds out. You're not supposed to be with rugby, meat delivery, dude. You're supposed to be with this 
weird loser um, gives him this like cro- like star cross moon thing that he keeps with him that doesn't really come up because it's like supposed to protect him and fuck, nothing happens to him I guess but it doesn't become relevant until the very end like literally the last scene of the movie and only because he punches out of the thing's stomach yeah. with it and they make like, it a point okay. to make sure that he has it before that point like they show him losing it and then make a point to show him getting it back and then that's all he does with it like it doesn't actually have any properties that we see that would like actually protect against anything he just doesn't die because he's the protagonist yeah if anything, there were two or three more movies between this and Lord of the Rings that Peter Jackson did. So I'm really keen on seeing now because I want to know how a guy gets from directing this movie to Lord of the Rings. It's a good question. Oh, it looks like Charles is on the case. Are you? No. Yeah. Yes? No. That's okay. exactly what I'm talking Because <laughs> I already had the uh, Dead Alive wiki up. So I'm like, I can follow this map to his other movies. So heavenly creatures, forgiven silver, Jack Brown, the frighteners. That's what did it. The frighteners is the only critical success out of these movies during this period. Huh. The frighteners also a. Supernatural thriller. Perfect. On I'll brand have, for the month. I'll have to watch that because yeah, uh, it is also a comedy horror. So, God damn it. So it sucks. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but it was received really well, critically at least. It barely made its budget, but it was received pretty well. And then he didn't direct again until Lord of the Rings. I mean, I bet a large portion of that time was spent developing lord of the rings like just doing the entire trilogy yeah it was was filmed all at once and it was like a 15 month like shoot and special effects post-production oh only it only took 15 months to shoot but i mean yeah pre-production prior to that so i'm sure like two of those years prior to the release were just like now three of those years i guess i'll have to watch the director's commentary for the extended editions again right (laughs) let's make a day and a half of it yeah it's a full six hours of just listening to people drone on oh if only it were only six hours <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh shit it's like nine right um each movie is like even, about even three more hours. um the, the fellowship ex- is like three and a half yeah the extended editions if you watch all of them back to back it's something like 11 between, and a half, 12 hours between 10 and 12 hours but why what's the point the final movie is like four hours long what's the point of that it's very really good isn't one but I, does it actually add something worth seeing to the movie or is yeah. it just like any extended cut where they just cut out all the shit that's not important no it, they they add a bunch of character moments and flesh out some of the like less explored characters in them and they finish not, the, not every added scene is useful but for the most part it tells like it a creates a better complete, cohesive whole yeah okay but it's like if you're not about it it's not worth it. Yeah, if you're, it's, not, if you're not already super into the Lord of the Rings movies, 
there's nothing that the extended edition is going to do for you. Yeah, but at the very least, it's not like all the extra scenes are like out of context scenes that are put in between all the theatrical cut ones. There's a bunch of scenes that are just like extended or have yeah. more dialogue that were in the Yeah, some scenes are longer. Too. They finished there are some scenes that didn't make it into the final cut because of they didn't finish special effects and so they were able to finish those before the extended edition and so it's uh, it's good if you already like them. If you don't already like the movies a lot, then don't subject yourself to an hour and a half more of them. Yeah, as someone who's a fan of the tight 90, uh, this is probably not for you. Yeah, no. that's I hardly even want to watch the original movies again. Because what, I've, what I feel like, anyway, that I remember of them is that they're more plotting movies. There's not actually things happening so much as it is like you watching people travel. And yeah, it's like, very much about the journey and about how that journey changes the characters and less about there's like our sequences like it's fantasy so there's like stuff to there is spectacle for you but it's not the point of it yeah fuck that i don't i don't care for that at all speaking of tight 90 army of darkness army <laughs> of darkness Made which it mercifully felt minutes. yeah it was like 81 minutes plus yeah. credits Oh, sorry. Real quick. Uh, rating for Dead Alive, one star. Half star if I can do it. I, don't, I think there's precedent for half star. I'd give it two. <laughs> I'll give it one because there were moments that were genuinely funny to me. But the rest of it was like... It was exhausting to get through. Excessive doesn't begin to yeah. like even kind of cover the man i'm on letterbox right now looking at this and guess the average rating for this four yes crazy yeah i mean like simon pegg's like you know brain dead was one of those movies that like really did it for me i was like what the fuck are you talking about this movie's so it's so bad it's like did it for you in what way anyway army of darkness it's a better comedy. It's got better effects in it. It's straight up slapstick and it's very fun. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hilarious. Although, oh, go ahead. Uh, the, I kind of didn't like the final act where it's the skeleton army coming for the castle. I liked all the like single Ash comedy stuff that happened. I mean, that's, the, he, that's what made Evil Dead 2 great is that everyone else is dead in the first like 20 minutes of the movie. So it's just Ash dealing with stuff because Bruce Campbell is fun to watch exactly so all of his antics when he arrives in the castle and then as he's going to retrieve the Necronomicon very funny and then when it started like anthropomorphizing all the skeletons uh, just didn't quite click for me like some of it was okay but it's my least favorite section this is a little goofy when the skeleton it, started coming to it, life and shit. Oh, at least I, I finally have a source for that uh, skeleton playing the flute gift that I've seen <laughs> for years. <laughs> it's from fucking Army of Darkness. It is very silly. This movie is very silly. Like, especially... So, you know, when he goes to the windmill and there's, like, the scene where he, like, just fucking runs into the... So, if you, in Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2, there's a scene where um like as he's like kind of slowly losing it um while they're being like attacked by this presence before there's really any physical representation of it um there's a scene where ash like looks into a mirror and it's not like 
It's just staring back at him. And he walks over to it and it grabs him. And then it pulls back and he's grabbing himself. Like he's clearly like starting to like lose it. And so that's what that's that's like a reference to that scene. And then he's like relieved. And then all the t- tiny reflections make a bunch of tiny ones. I'm like, oh, this is a cartoon now. <laughs> it was already slapsticky and silly when like the deadite in the pit is like doing kung fu flips and stuff. But uh, yeah, when they come out, and there's like a bunch of tiny Bruce Campbells just like fucking with them. Like, this is so fun. This is stupid and cheesy and silly. Yeah, it reminded me of Doodlebug. It's uh, one of Christopher Nolan's short films, which you can look it up on YouTube. It's this guy in his apartment, and there's some tiny creature running around, and he's trying to like stamp it out. And the twist at the end is it's just a tiny version of himself. So he hits it with a shoe, and then behind him you see a giant version of himself who hits the guy you've been seeing with another shoe. Nice. And they do I do like that, that scene does like ratchet it up again right afterwards by like the little the tiny one, the tiny ash jumps down his throat, and then there's an eyeball on his shoulder. I was like, oh yeah, this is still technically a horror movie and that's like a good bit where it just like grows out of him yeah and then it goes back to being silly but yeah the uh, battle scene is because there's not as much opportunities for like silly slapsticky shit they like pepper it in there's like sequences where it's like silly and dumb but yeah it definitely leans more heavily into like this is a battle sequence and it's like it's expensive to stop motion animate a bunch of skeletons fighting people. <laughs> so they just stand in place and like move their shoulders. Well, it's all like every time you see a, a full skeleton, it's always like a puppet that you see from the waist up. And it's just for a single like shot where like somebody punches it or like slashes it with a, with a sword. And then every other one, every time you see like people actually fighting, it's just someone who's not quite a skeleton. So it can be someone in a costume. Yeah. I wish they would have done more people in costumes. Yeah. What also bothered me was like how disorganized the skeleton army was. Like they were just they weren't even running in a line with the boards that they had. They right, were they just, were just like, like spaced out all weird and shit. And like, okay, uh I I guess I can see that. Not to say that like it needs to make perfect logical sense and it adds a little bit to like the goofiness of it. But like if you're gonna make the battle at the castle goofy, make it goofier. Yeah. Like just like really lean into it. Yeah. Like, have people getting kicked in the balls. And, like, I thought one one part of it was really funny. Unintentionally so, I believe. But, like, the dude just picks up the skeleton and throws him over yeah. the wall. I was just like, yeah, that's how you handle that. It's a very light skeleton. And having people in costumes also makes the action look a lot better. Yeah, because you can do more stuff in camera. Yeah. I don't know. I think watching this and Dead Alive back-to-back... I was just like, I appreciate Army of Darkness so much more. <laughs> like, the cinematography is better. Uh, the acting is better. 
the story is more fun. I really, really like the opening of Army of Darkness. Like after he gets picked up by uh, the knights, and the shit. recap, or when he's in the castle, when he's in the castle, like when they when they throw him down the pit, like the the part that immediately contrasts with Dead Alive for me is when the blood fountain shoots up yeah. out of the pit, and I was just like, oh, that looks so bad in <laughs> Dead Alive, but it looks cool here. And it's very frightening. You know, I, I actually just saw Nightmare on Elm Street for the first time. Yeah, when it, was, is that that's Johnny Depp, right? Yeah, in that uh, it, not the guy who gets killed, I think. But there's a that's scene. Not Johnny Depp who gets killed in the bed. I don't remember. Hmm. But um, there's a scene where some kid's lying on his bed, and then Freddy Krueger's arm comes out and drags him into a hole in the bed, and then there's this massive like torrent of blood that flows out of the hole and like hits the ceiling and just it's splashes everywhere cartoonish like in a good way or a bad way oh in a very like frightening way it's okay. it's excellent the way they do it because like i'm sure that they just set up the room like upside down and then filmed it so they just like were pouring blood into some hole and it looks like it's flowing yeah, it up like, like a flowing. like an upwards waterfall or something anyway the army of darkness scene reminded me of that like, yeah i, I also cool. immediately thought of that it's like it's shot out that's sick. And they're like, all right, you're going to the pit. Like, they, it's just like, <laughs> that's scary to us. But also, that's what we're here for. Fucking toss them in. Yeah. And it's, it's fun, slapsticky comedy. Because Evil Dead 2 is a remake of the first one, right? Effectively. It is technically a sequel. They do a recap at the beginning that does explain the sequence, like the stuff that happened in the first one. But in the second one, there are fewer characters and the events are slightly different. It's just also a comedy. So I haven't okay. seen either of those two. Does does well, that movie end with Ash and his car getting sucked into yes. the vortex and you just don't know what happens? Yeah, the Necronomicon is still like active at the end of it. So it does lead... Because so the original sequel idea was Army of Darkness, but no one would pay for that. So <laughs> Sam Raimi's just like, well, I guess we could rework the script, but I'm going to hold on to this idea. So that's wow. That's how Evil Dead 2 ended up being effectively a remake um, of the first one, but with more of the tone that he wanted in Army of Darkness. And then because Evil Dead 2 did well, and then he ended up doing, what was the movie in between? It was like Dark Man and something else. Dark Man? As in, no, never mind. I'm thinking of Shadow, the one with uh, Alec Baldwin. Right. Where he's like the opium dealer from China. <laughs> that one was pretty fun. Um, but yeah, there were like two or three movies in between that Sam Raimi was like, I'd really like to do this. And no one would do it. And so he finally got... That's why... Um, uh, or Dark Man did well financially. So that's how they were able to get money to do army of darkness because it's gonna be like way more budget intensive because it's set in the 1300s so that's how he was able to get the money to do army of darkness and it's straight up just the the script the original script that he wanted to write four years earlier and then there was um the remake of of evil dead yeah that's like played straight horror i I think i haven't seen it that upset me a lot i didn't watch it because i found out that it was played straight and i was just like that sucks yeah do something fun it's like bruce campbell shows up in it at the end i think but it's like 
you just started off yeah like the first one was really gory and serious but then it didn't get well known because of that first one it's evil dead 2 is what everyone talks about and then army of darkness but then uh i've heard good things about ash versus the evil dead the showtime series i did like that it was fun um it wasn't perfect cabin in the woods it's the reason why i started saying self-awareness doesn't make you good because that movie is self-aware shit and it sucks and it sucks because of that yeah at least in my opinion yeah okay cheeky fun blah blah whatever whatever who fucking cares there's a certain level of self-awareness with ash versus the evil dead that makes that show not fun for me it's like we we know this is like goofy we're having fun here huh huh you like this ash is back come on guys (laughs) this is the guy you remember huh yeah and it's like dog i just tell me the story don't don't do any of that shit. It's so fucking annoying. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like with like TV shows especially where once they reach like a critical mass in like popularity, like with Game of Thrones especially, they start kind of like winking and nodding to the audience like, "Oh, this is Daenerys Stormborn, the Breaker of Chains, Mother of Dragons," and they list like 10 more titles. And then Tyrion all but looks at the camera and rolls his eyes like, "Can you believe how famous she's gotten?" <laughs> He's like, "Tell oh, your fucking God. story so we can get out of here." Yeah, dog. Yeah. Somebody had pointed something out to me uh very recently. And I didn't know that this was the case, but apparently part of the reason why the last two seasons of Game of Thrones sucked was because the showrunners were focused on trying to pitch their other two projects. <laughs> Do you remember what one of them was? The alternate Civil War? Yeah, Confederacy, baby. Yeah. I'm so glad that fucking flopped and that didn't actually get off the ground. As soon as I heard about that, I was like, this is uh, real stupid. I can't, I can't believe these two dudes are like, we're the right ones for this story. And also, this story needs to be told in fucking 2016. Like, where the Confederacy <laughs> wins. Yeah. yeah. That was, it was going to be the Confederate States of America. And okay. So it's like the Handmaid's Tale, except like with yeah. more races. Man in the High Tower, too. Nazis win World War II. Exactly. Or Wolfenstein. Or any alternate history story where the baddies win. Jokes on all of us. The baddies won. Yeah, the baddies always win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, although the property they did get for Amazon is uh, the Three Body Problem. It's a Chinese sci-fi trilogy. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. I think you had told yeah, me about those yeah, books. Yeah, I've talked about it off the show with you guys, but the high-level overview of it is like that. Um, it, it tries to answer the question of if if life kind of spreads throughout the galaxy exponentially. How come we don't see evidence of alien civilizations? And uh, the trilogy answers that by saying there are aliens and it is not a good thing when you meet them. Yeah, because it's from the, it's told from a perspective of every scientist who's ever looked at aliens ever, who's just like, well, what did Americans do when they found people? Oh, they killed them and took all their shit. Oh, no, that's what aliens would do to us. Oh, my yeah, God. It's a, it's a way to process white guilt, but, like, not have it be white people. <laughs> that's what all fantasy is, at, at least the ones that involve, like, subjugation and all that yeah, shit. Yeah, it's always like, it's just like oh. how do we talk about how bad the things, like, that a specific group of people did, but without making it about that group of people being bad? 
there's a long conversation that we need to have about books. Oh, for sure. But be, we are not going to hear that at home. We already took off on a long tangent. What would you guys rate Army of Darkness? I'd give it a three. Yeah, I'd give it a three and a half, four. Like, it's fun. It doesn't overstay its welcome. But it's like, I'm not going to watch. Army of Darkness is going to be like one of my Halloween must-watches. I'm going to agree that three and a half is appropriate but i feel like that half star i'm giving it is just based on the comparison to dead alive (laughs) (laughs) the movie honestly i don't think like it's fun it's not as good as i remember thinking it was when i was 20 but i think that's because i was young and stupid and like wasn't exposed to a lot more things but it's it's difficult for me to tell it's hard it's hard for me to tell i'm gonna give this three stars i hadn't seen it and it was because when I watched the first two, the guy I was watching it with just didn't have Army of Darkness. Um, so I never got around to seeing it then, but I think I would have liked it a lot more as a perpetually drunk 20-year-old. Yeah. I, I saw it when I was in high school, and because Transformers was one of my, like, whoa, this is great, like, favorite <laughs> movies back then, I saw this, and like, the fuck is this movie? I don't care about it. But seeing it again, um, I like um, a lot more of, like, technical like aspects of it and the way that they do certain shots like for instance the series of jump cuts they have when he's making his mechanical hands i love it when movies do that uh, shawn of the dead yeah Yeah. what's that that director's name edgar wright edgar wright yes yeah also shout out to darren aronofsky who likes to do a lot of jump cuts too Hell yeah. I'm going to steal that shit. And then I'm going to say I was inspired by Darren Aronofsky. <laughs> Hell and yes. people are going to be like, this is clearly Edgar Wright. And I'm like, you know nothing. <laughs> be a pretentious dickhead about it. Anyway, um, I would I would recommend watching Army of Darkness. I would watch Army of Darkness. I, the, Army of Darkness, for sure, watch. It's like, if you haven't watched it because you've seen Evil Dead or Evil Dead 2, or like, I don't know if I need something that intense. Like, you could literally watch army of darkness with children like it's it's fun it's fun i really like the end of it i feel like the strongest parts of this movie are the beginning and end the end of it is very <laughs> where he's just like and then i time traveled back to modern day <laughs> yeah i was like uh, it's the dude's like just over like it. looking at him uh, <laughs> did you at least say the words right this time well not exactly in every syllable it's like he's still got like scars like cuts on his face and he's missing a hand also what's interesting about those words so he has to say Klaatu Brada Nikto yeah it's from uh, the day the earth stood still for some reason it's what the alien uses to deactivate the giant robot that's going to destroy humanity I don't know why Sam Raimi decided to use that yeah but uh, Sam Sam Raimi and there's a discussion to be had about the Spider-Man films that he directed. Sam Raimi loves him. The like, I like he likes to kind of weaponize nostalgia in a very unique way. Yeah. And so something like the day the earth said still is such a specific reference to a specific time that it kind of places you in like a mentality for it. If you understand the reference and then he kind of develops that into by the time he gets to Spider-Man, he kind of does a similar thing where like you can't, it's, clearly the present but not at the same time it's like is it all actually the 60s because like about people dress and like you don't really see a lot of technology outside of oscorp that's all that's a whole other thing but sam raimi has a f- solid grip on how to use nostalgia in a way that you don't really 
notice, even if you don't have the specific touchstone for what he's grabbing at. Interesting. When we get back, no concessions. Welcome back to No Concessions, where we make a case for our favorite or least favorite movies. Uh, this this is our titular segment. I explained that backwards. Whatever, <laughs> you get it. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go ahead and go first. Dead Alive, miss me with that shit. This movie <laughs> fucking sucks. It's awful. It's not fun. It's not charming. It's gross, uh, but not in like a fun way. It's like, it, I hate it. I hate this movie. Maybe I woke up too hungover and I'm like very pissed about having to watch it and like actually having seen it. But this this movie now the movie sucks. is really bad and it is just it uses what could have been very good effects to just be really gross. And like I'm sitting next to my girlfriend watching this movie and she's like especially in like that end sequence. She's like dry heaving. I'm like, you need to not throw up in my room, but this is really gross. <laughs> gross. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, that's all I have to say about it. I mean, I'll put the YouTube link in the show description. Watch it. If you want to, the movie fucking sucks. Just know what you're getting into. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's quite gross. Also, this is literally the only way you can watch this movie. Which is well, strange. Maybe I mean, Peter Jackson but, himself uploaded it. Th- there are other ways. I mean, you could find it, but it's like <laughs> on DVD. I don't even know if you can get it on DVD. I looked. It's like whoa, whoa. There, it is not on. Maybe a rights thing, but it's not on a lot of new media. I'm actually surprised when you said it got released in the U.S. in like '93 because I saw a promo poster for it that said from the director of Lord of the Rings because it got so popular. After yeah, and so I figured, oh well, everyone knows who Peter Jackson is because of Lord of the Rings, and now we're going to market this cult movie that he made. From oh, like you can a decade pay ago. thirty dollars for the Blu-ray. Oh, do not do that. Gross. Last thing you need is a uh, high def of this movie, and it's probably upscaled anyway, so it looks like shit. Oh yeah, definitely. All right, who wants to go next? I'll go. Um, my no concessions is a good one. Uh, Batman Beyond Return of the Joker that I really like that movie I watched Denzel and I talked about Batman Beyond the other day and I was like well now I gotta watch Return of the Joker and it's shit's fun it's still like there's elements of it that I don't like Bruce Tim for specifically but overall and it might be because I watched it so many times as a nine-year-old but the it's the it's one of the only times where the Joker doesn't become exhausting to me because they use the character sparingly enough that it doesn't like overstay his welcome and it gets into one of the things that I, I wanted to see in the series like what happened to other people 
that Bruce was involved with to like find out what happened to Tim. And it's not like great, but like that sequence where they find him after he's been kidnapped is like really good. Especially the unedited version where the Joker actually gets shot and is bleeding actual blood. So you're like, yeah, this dude's fucking dead finally. <laughs> I the reason why I looked at you the way that I did is because I hate that movie. You do? <laughs> I, I hate the plot points, right? Like the movie's about how nano machines have embedded themselves in Tim Drake or whatever the fuck. Yeah, it does kind of break itself uh, because timeline wise, like it was clearly supposed to be. So that sequence is canonically set before Justice League. So the technology definitely didn't get to the Joker would not have had access to that technology and even if he did it would have been way late like Tim would have been an adult at that point it does kind of like lose itself with how the Joker is there and even setting up why Terry's involved in the first place but (laughs) it's fun I could be nostalgia blind I did watch it real drunk so good shit Getting wasted is fun. It is real fun, especially now. <laughs> uh, my pick is for the horror movie It Follows, where if you take all the pretentiousness of an indie movie, but that's then the uh, STD they- one, right? Exactly. It's a metaphor <laughs> for STDs. Uh, the the setup is um, if you're if you have sex with someone who is quote unquote infected by you know the movie monster then uh, an, a, a monster, which uh, only you can see, will follow you perpetually. Get it? It follows until it kills you. And then once it kills you, it's going to follow the person who gave you this disease. And then recursively, back and back until, you know, the movie never explains that. It's just kind of like, hey, kids, remember to use protection. So because if you don't... There was a curse at some point. And so presumably, if it finally killed someone and then everyone before that just like never had sex again it could get back to the first person in theory yeah in theory like some fucking 80 year old is just sitting in like a retirement home just hasn't fucked in a long time and they just like see it and like finally (laughs) maybe now my kids will love me yeah so you never actually see like a monster monster following you it just looks like a regular person but is like slowly coming towards you and you can't like hypothetically take a plane to Europe. It's just going to suddenly appear in like a crowd next to you. It's then what's it's the not point gonna... of it shuffling at you slowly? For you know the ominous atmosphere, it, the entire movie. Because if it can just be wherever, then wouldn't it make more sense to have like a timer, like an arbitrary amount of time that it takes before it kills you, where you have to have, fuck somebody? I will say that the uh, the one scene where it kind of like looks pretty dumb with the premise is up until this point, it's an invisible creature that no one reacts to. So when it's following after the main character, you kind of see one of her friends, like her hair starts to just lift up by some invisible force. And I'm like, oh man, well, this this is kind of dumb. No one else is supposed to be able to see this creature. Yeah, see her be affected by it. You gotta You gotta do the ghost thing where it's like, passes through her yeah but there aren't any jump scares which is like the primary reason why i don't watch any horror movies it's a cheap way to scare people 
particularly me, can't stand jump scares. You jump off the couch like you're a fucking cat that just got squirted with water. Pretty much. Or saw a cucumber or some shit. <laughs> yeah. Watch that. It's a very good Halloween time of year recommendation. I'll check it out. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this week's edition of No Concessions. You guys got anything you want to plug? Yeah, my Twitter link is going to be in the show description. Yes, it will. Yeah, mine will also be there. I don't tweet anything. And when I do, it's usually something that's just for Denzel. <laughs> I uh, stopped using Twitter two months ago, and I haven't been happier in my life. Yeah, I took the, I took the app off my phone, and i got to tell you, it feels good. Yeah, dude. I'm less miserable. Yeah. Oh, I just use it as my bathroom app. Good. That's what I, uh, I have Instagram for. Yeah, and I would just creep on Instagram. I can't even. I can't even creep on Instagram. Honestly, man, I'm just too horny all the time. It's, it's it fucks me. All right. Well, that's the end of that episode. Bye. <laughs>